You know, I started this summer off by preaching the first sermon on June 2nd, and I, I listened to what I said back then, and uh, so I'm going to repeat this thing. No. Um, <laughs> but I remember commenting on that exact song, because we sang it the first time, and it was really fitting that that's one of the songs the worship team picked up and did today, because it's a beautiful song about passion about God. And uh, so today's going to be different. I have never spent less time preparing a sermon than I did on this one. That's not because I was lazy. But I want to have a talk. I want to have a talk and just kind of go through where the journey has been from the beginning. And, and one of the things I got to say is, wow, God is good. God is good. Just, God had laid on my heart. First of all, I got to tell you that when Joe preached a few weeks ago, he stole my passage <laughs> that I was going to use today. And so I'm going, okay, God, wh what is it that you want me to say? And he laid upon my heart that what I'm going to do is I'm going to use the same passage I used on June 2nd, but we're going to take it a step deeper. But the reason I say God is good is because as God was just saying, hey, this is what I want you to say, God was also working on Linda and Linda and, um, and Sharon to provide even more depth to what God is doing and how the Spirit is moving. And that is powerful. That is, that is what this summer was about, is how do we step into the Spirit? Now, three months ago, Kurt and I asked and invited you to join us on a journey. We challenged you to go on a pilgrimage. And uh, part of that pilgrimage is we, we asked you to rediscover your roots by looking into uh, Jim Belcher's book and looking into some historical things in Christianity that have really shaped faith. We asked you to um, consider looking and, and seeing life as a journey where every step matters. We asked you to focus on the destination. These were three points that this book brought out. The destination of where do we go with our faith? Where do we go with our walk and our journey? We invited you to keep in step with the Spirit throughout this summer. Now, a lot of things that, that Kurt and I had put together and had a vision of what it was going to be never got to happen. You know, I, I didn't know that my, my counseling center was going to get so busy I couldn't do the videos I wanted to do of interviewing some of you and being able to have your testimony shown during service. So we're going to do that later because I think that's an important fact that we need to do. I didn't realize, we didn't anticipate all the people who would come forward to preach. You know, because we had, I had all 13 weeks scheduled out of what scripture and what topic. Yeah, okay. God had a different plan. And it was to trust in the leading of his spirit. Trust in the leading of his spirit. That first sermon I preached that I, I really struggled with, okay, God, this isn't coming together. And I got up here, and I, I couldn't even get the dang music stand to move. Remember that? Yeah. And I set the notes on here, 
And all of a sudden I went, huh, okay, I don't need those. And if you know me, that's not me. <laughs> okay? But there was a lot that happened. We asked you to keep in step with the Spirit. And on the 15th in two weeks, I hope that you will all join us for that celebration of coming together as a family around good food, but really hearing the stories of what God has been doing. I almost decided to try to invite you to share stories today, but we'd be here until next week because I know there are stories to tell. I know that God is moving. But I'd like to do that at that dinner. I'd love to, I want to hear from Kurt and Tammy and Lucas, but I want them to hear from you how God has been moving. Because it's really important that we are able to, to share our stories and to, and to know all the things that God is doing. So I want you to be considering, so how did the Holy Spirit move you this, this summer? How did he use you? Where did he pull you towards? We have been blessed with a wonderful array of messages from people in our denomination this summer, haven't we? We've had messages from Greg Yee and Peter Sung, Eric Cave, Al Tizong, Dr. Dave Kirsten, which to me that was probably one of the most powerful messages, and from Don last week. And they've all been rich and good. But do you realize we also had we were gifted with our homegrown messages. We had people like um, Kara Harris and Anthony Apellis, Joe Hibbert, Dick Randall, and Steve Starr share their message. But let us also not forget our youngest preacher in training. Sydney was amazing, wasn't she? Okay. We have been gifted with messages that were laid on all those people's hearts throughout the summer. And Kurt should be scared, okay? <laughs> Just kidding. But, you know, and then next week we get an opportunity to hear from a possible candidate that, that could fit with our church. You know, so God has been bringing these words repeatedly this summer. And while maybe they didn't all stick to our topic or maybe they kind of gave different variations, it was really clear that God had messages for all of us. Right? I mean, is that an amen? You guys got fed? All right. Then, then there was the, the book that I invited you guys to read. Well, there were two books. I actually invited the uh, leaders and the staff to read a book called Resilient Ministry. And the, the Resilient Ministry was written and, and funded by the same people that funded our grant for the sabbatical by the Lilly Foundation. And this book looked at all the, the ins and outs and the struggles and the challenges for pastors and people in ministry. So we, we tried to give them something that would help them. And then the, the book, Deep, In Search of Deeper Faith, was an opportunity to, as a congregation, kind of go on a journey in really looking at some, some really powerful topics. And um, do you realize there were 150 of you that took on the challenge to read the book? That is pretty amazing. And I hope you really enjoyed the book. I hope you got fed a lot. 
And I know our staff did a great job of putting further questions up to discuss. And then you had the study guide, and there was the Facebook dialogue, which some of you participated in. So that was another piece that happened this summer. And then quietly, there were a few people who joined me to just simply listen to Scripture after church, after the service. It was just a small group of us, but we met most Sundays, and we would just listen to the Word of God. And it was wonderful. It, was, it just fed our souls in a way that I, I can't describe and they're interested in, in somehow keeping this going. So we're looking at maybe considering doing it like a half hour before church for anybody who wants to join. And we'll let you know down the road of when that might start. I might have to come up for breath a little bit. But, but there's another way that God was working this summer. And it was a quiet way in a lot of ways. And that was the church staff team here. They worked their fannies off. They worked hard to maintain all the ministries in this church, to get together every week at their staff meeting and continue to handle things and carry the mantle for the whole summer. Likewise, our leadership team walked alongside them and also took care of business here. And, and this brings me to a little bit of a side note that is a passion of mine. I think it's important that we realize that we, we should not just be about what we can get from our staff and our leadership, but we should be looking at how do we minister to them. I think that is a really important factor of we are all ministers, and we should be just as concerned about our staff and our leadership as we are about what we can get out of, out of church, out of our programs, from our sermons, whatever, okay? Because there's a lot to ministry. Originally, I was going to give you some statistics, and they're kind of scary at what people in ministry sometimes have to go through in life. But what I have is a couple of handouts that are out at the Welcome Center that just give some ideas. How can we take care of... It, it says, how can you empower your pastor? But change the word pastor to staff, to leadership, and there's about 75 copies of each. Please take one and, and, and consider how you can pour into them as they work to pour into you. Um, so that's my little soapbox. <laughs> so I, I'm very indebted to them. I, I was able to, to go to quite a few staff meetings just to try to support them and check in with them and see how they were doing this summer. And, and, you know, you know what VBS is in this church, right? Can you imagine how tired they were afterwards? <laughs> okay. There, there's a lot of things behind the scenes that most of us never see. But it is all for the glory of God. And if we can bring extra support and, and encouragement, um, I, think, I think there's a lot of things we can do from that end. So I encourage you to grab a couple of those, those two handouts and, and then put it into action. Let's love on our staff, okay? So three months ago, I shared a passage with you from Hosea chapter 10. 
And, and it's because this passage, to me, had so much power of calling us to get down to the very core of our co- covenantal relationship with God. And the passage out of Hosea, chapter 10, is verse 12. It's up there. So let me read it to you. Sow for yourself righteousness. Reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. For he, ha- he may come, that he may come, I'll read it right, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. Now, if you remember back then, I talked to you about how Israel had infiltrated Baal worship within their faith, and it had diluted their faith. It had gotten away from that fundamental covenantal relationship with God. And that Hosea was calling them to come back to that pure faith. And I talked to you about how today I think we have a a very similar condition. That our, our culture and our society is watering down our faith. That we're allowing so much of outside to come in. This is what I loved about um, Dr. Kirsten's message when he brought out those covenantal truths. Where is it written? And how goes your walk? Is that we need to be very careful to make sure that that walk with God is where it needs to be. And I talked about how we need to break up that fallow ground, that parched, hard dead ground in our hearts and in our minds so that it can grow good things. That God's principle in life is if we prepare that ground and we plant the right seeds, good things grow. Today what I want to do is take you the next step. Today what I want you to realize is God wants to rain that righteousness upon all of you. And that We have to look at what ground do we have to break up in our minds and in our hearts? Where do we have to give back to the world the things that we have taken in and mixed with our faith? But the part of this verse I want to pull out today is that it is time to seek the Lord. Not in a casual way, but it is really time to seek the Lord. This past week, an old youth pastor of mine who's been pastoring for 40-some-odd years posted a video blog. And I want to read you just his, where his heart is and what he he shared, because it was really convicting to me. He says, be warned. Holiness matters today as it never has before in my lifetime. One of the reasons is that the name of the Lord is at stake in this world. God cannot continue to allow his name to be profaned. Every time we do, people lose faith in our God. Because people look at us. They want to know what God is like by looking at us. Holiness matters today as it never has before. And God has given us the tools, but we need to use them. 
that makes me cringe to think that if people are looking at me to determine who God is, and I'm not holy, I'm not trying to live a holy life, I'm not trying to seek righteousness, and I have a watered-down faith, what am I showing? What am I showing, and how am I contributing to people moving away from God? That, I mean, this to me just hit me right between the eyes. And it, it raised up in me this thought. We do just enough to survive. Just enough to survive. Often, we just do what it takes to swim upstream enough that we don't go over the waterfall behind our feet. That we oftentimes will live our Christian lives in that way where, yeah, I go to church, I'll be in this Bible study, um, but my Bible's kind of getting dust on the shelf. Or I might read a thing here or there or a good devotion guide or whatever, but I'm not really seeking to do the work here and here. I'm just doing because it feels good. And, and God was laying this on my heart that if I'm only doing what it takes to survive, to just stay ahead of that waterfall, what happens when I stop taking a stroke? I go over. Okay? What I want you to do, what I have passion for you to find, is how do you do what it takes to thrive? How do you do in our, how do we do in our faith what it takes to thrive? I think this morning, the Spirit brought us a piece of that by laying on people's hearts messages that we needed to bring to our family about Dick and Mary Kay or about the hurricane or about the things that are going on so that we can be together on that. You know, thriving is, is different because that means it takes purpose. It takes it takes really thinking about this on a daily basis. So I want to share with you five simple things. Well, they may not be as simple to apply, but they're simple to understand about how to begin a journey of thriving. First of all, dig it up. Dig it up. See, digging it up is reaching inside of here and bringing to the surface what God has already planted in your heart and in your mind because you're his child. It's reaching down in here and bringing up the gifts, the talents, the ability to forgive and love and the ability to stand with people because it's already in us. Digging it up is bringing that to the surface. But as we do that process, sometimes we come across something else, the weeds, and so we've got to dig those up and get them out of there, right? So that it's, it's pure and it's clean. It's like digging into Scripture is being willing to do more than just kind of reading it, but being willing to really study, really understand, really dig at it. Digging into our faith is, is looking and wrestling with, and I, and I hope the study guide for the book and the questions the staff put out there helped you dig deeper, helped you wrestle with some issues and think about what would, I, what would I do if I were in that situation? 
If you read the book, I had a question there. What would you do? How would you handle being in Ravenbrook's prison camp in Germany? Could you have the faith that the Ten Booms had? Because that's one of the questions I was faced with as I looked at that. But digging it up is bringing it to the surface and then learning how to feed it, nurture it, and grow it. Whether that's talking to other people who know more than you do or meeting with pastors or having good Bible studies or reading good good books that bring you deeper. But we need to dig it up. Second thing, pull the tooth. Pull the tooth is being able to recognize the toxic things in your life and be willing to get rid of them. Whether it's a behavior, an attitude, a bitterness... Sometimes it might be a person or a place or a thing. But it's pulling the tooth and getting rid of the infections that are inside of us, in our hearts and our minds, so that we can be, that ground can become fertile for growth. Third, do something. Do something. Don't become complacent. Status quo doesn't work. We know in Revelations it says, if you're lukewarm, he'll spit you out. (laughs) Okay? Do something. On a regular, daily basis, do something. Don't settle and become complacent. Pursue. The pursuit of holiness requires continual action. It's a lifestyle. That man that I quoted from his blog is the man that showed me that faith was a life. A lifestyle, not something I do on Wednesdays and Sunday nights. Fourth, act like an ant. Anybody have an ant farm? What do ants always do? They always work. They're always moving a grain of sand for a purpose. For a purpose. If we're always moving a grain of sand every day for a purpose, for the vision that God has given us, for where we're supposed to be going, over time, big things happen. We will thrive because we're always moving that grain of sand. We don't change things by moving mountains in a moment. We change things by moving those grains of sand every single day. And as we do that work, it adds up. Our hearts don't change in an instant. Our hearts because we're moving the grain of sand towards the vision, towards the purpose that God has. And the fifth, fifth thing to help you learn how to, survive, how to thrive is be humble. There are a lot of Christians who have fallen. There's a lot of Christians who have broken down the message that they send. And this isn't about us being better than anybody. It isn't us about us being superior. If you look through Scripture, you find that the people who had that deep faith, who had that covenantal relationship with God, were humble. They, they, let, they let their life show what needs to be heard. And if we all could, could have that sense of humbleness what we realize is that it's God that's doing it, right? That God is using it, okay? And that's, that's what we have to, to look at. Dig it up, 
pull the tooth, do something, be like an ant, and be humble. My passion is that you will thrive. My hope and my prayer for you is that you will be so hungry for God that we will be blown away by all the things that God does in and through you. And we can make a difference in all kinds of ways. Thrive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you so much for the words that you brought to so many people this morning, for the work that you've done through the staff and through the leadership of this church, for providing rest and restoration for Kurt and his family, and for the season that you have for us coming up. I pray that you will let us thrive, that you will show us how to continue to thrive and grow in you. We hand all this into your lap. We pray in your name. Amen.